All right, we're recording there. <laughs> See, ways go over here. All right. Um, Are you on your phone? No, I'm, I'm I trying can, to look up. I can see you on. I can see the glow on your face. Let me turn off my camera. <laughs> so this is um, so this is going to be so normally we we stick to the routine of um, every Friday. We're currently in the middle of our series of five steps to uh, upping your game or stepping up your game, whatever you want to call it. And uh, as a lot of people are at home. And we currently are obviously at home as well to the maximum degree. Uh, both of us are still working, but uh, we decided we'd bring some extra content. And our solemn promise on this podcast is to not talk about the coronavirus. See, the he who should not be named, whatever. So yeah. we're just not going to talk about it. And we were just kind of rambling there before we started this while we we're just testing out uh, Facebook message video. And it's terrible, by the way. Uh, we're currently using Zoom. Yeah, Zoom seems to be the best of the of the current bunch. If you have any better suggestions, send them on to us. Yeah, but Zoom does seem very good. Um, but there it was like we should talk about the some just kind of uh, analyze some of the um, largest fad diets over the last few years, both yeah. micro to the training space and kind of macro to everyone in the world, kind of thing. I think. And, uh, I think. Uh, an important point to put in at this at this stage is that this will be yeah. in no way informative uh, and it, <laughs> it's going to be purely uh, just us and our opinions uh, so if you're if you're currently in one of these religions sorry oh sorry if you're currently following one of these diets uh, yeah please don't get offended we're just talking shit because we've nothing else to do <laughs> Well, that's not true, but um, we want to not true at all. I think we, no, we should see, we should actually just thank everybody who's signed up for the online training programs, um, because yeah, people are still buying programs, just, like yeah, because you've just ruined my life for the last uh, eight days well, because it just takes around four hours a day of sending emails. <laughs> Well, the training at home is online now. Yeah, so that's that's probably a good point. Is that if you just go onto the website now, you can sign up for the training at home one it's fully free uh and you won't have to wait for like 24 hours for me to get back to an email well i was actually talking about people who are still buying our um our regular programs because people are still chasing those yeah um, like powerlifting back squatting and uh, not too many weightlifting but that's very understandable given the circumstance yeah um we we need to make people more aware of our uh our strength training for fitness slash crossfit i can say crossfit in the podcast but we can't advertise it as training process, but it's a it's just a program we did, and you know a lot of the a lot of the crossfitter, I mean fitness athletes who do that always end up hitting like snatch clean RPBs. But it's yeah. it's basically it's kind of a super total program for crossfit. If I was to describe the program somehow, yeah, yeah. If you were if you were somebody who wanted to just get really, 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 really fucking strong at the moment <clears throat> across all five lifts, that would be a great yeah. program to do. And um. Right. So let's get at her. Uh, so Are you I have still I on your phone. Read, I Google's top fad diets, right? Right. And we have med. Do you want to write these down on your whiteboard there? Yeah. So we've the Mediterranean diet. Wait, now I'm just prepping my writing materials. Um. So while you're prepping your writing materials there, like you know, I love. I'm fascinated by like the whole coronavirus thing and the kind of. Uh, I suppose what. Computer nerds to talk about it in terms of like computers, be the back end stuff, you know, the like policies and uh, 
just general biochemistry of what's going on with the virus and stuff. Our call is actually breaking up because you're such a fucking nerd. Like it's just, oh, your internet connection is unstable. Yeah, that's because you're on your phone at the same time. I'm using my data, you dumbass. No, it's this all is... the internet comes from the same place, Owen. From Apple. <laughs> so yeah, like the last thing you want to hear about, um, there is. What? So we have the Mediterranean diet. Yeah, I'm writing keto. it as we go. So we've uh, vegetarian diet. So Mediterranean keto, vegetarian. Yeah. Um, we have the Weight Watchers. Right. Um, remember the Zone Diet? That's not on this list, but that was kind of a crossfit thing. That zone was, diet. That's a, yeah, go on. Um, so obviously we have carnivore and we vegan. Yeah. Mm. It feels so wrong to put those next to each other. Disgusting. Um, <laughs> so we have the Atkins Diet, but I'm yeah. not seeing the I think the Atkins Diet was kind of keto with a lot of protein. And, uh, oh, it was a keto. It's keto with not a lot of protein. Oh, I think. Um, there's something else as well. There's whole thirty. Have you heard of that one? That's more recent. No. So that was like, no, oh, what the fuck was it again? It was um, it was like a, just a list of thirty foods basically. Right. Um, and you could only eat those thirty foods. Oh no. So for 30 days, you eliminate foods that scientific literature and our clinical experience have shown to be commonly, oh dear, I don't like this already, can be pro- commonly problematic in one of four areas, craving and habits. Inflammation blood. is definitely one of these. Inflammation is the last <laughs> one. Uh, so over the course of 30 days, you'll see what improves when you remove potentially problematic foods, explains Hartwig Urban, noting that you can see improvements in energy, sleep, blah, 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 blah. I don't actually see what the diet is like. What is it here? Um, can you think of any other diets actually? Uh, what's that fucking oh vertical diet? Oh, the vert yeah. Um, uh, right. Weight Watchers. So we have Mediterranean, yeah. keto, vegetarian, Weight Watchers, Zone, Carnivore, Vegan, Atkins, Whole Thirty, oh, Vertical Diet. Do you want? Do you throw intermittent fasting in there? Yes. Um, that's pretty much it, isn't it? Fruititarian. Fruititarian. That's not a thing. That that is a thing. Fruititarian. Yeah, yeah. They only eat fruit. That is a genuine thing. It's often women who do that for some reason with kids. Jesus Christ! That's only time I've seen is is with um, young mothers giving their kids only fruit. Jesus Christ. Right, we have a fair uh, list there. That is a big old list there. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna start with the carnivore diet because that's one I've been listening to a lot lately. And, okay, um, you ramble on there with the old carnivore diet. I'll be honest, David indoctrinated me. Nah, I'm joking. <laughs> I, um, so one of my dirty little secrets is, and, and Fitz is probably the only person who knows about it, is while I like anyone asking me about nutrition, I tell them I don't know, I don't want to tell you anything, but I, I. I love listening to people He's talk about He's a dirty it. little nutrition nerd and he tries uh, not to yeah. tell you about it. But see, like, I don't care about, like, helping people with nutrition, you know, because it's not, like, anything of any interest in... Because uh, I just don't understand why people can't be robots and eat the same thing every day, but that's beside the point. Uh, <laughs> but I, like, I love listening to people talk about nutrition. Like, I, I really, I really do enjoy 
And obviously, the carnivore dice last year, this is like the carnivore dice in terms of like fucking public mainstream shit is like the last, only in the last year, realistically, has it become kind of uh, maybe in the last six months, probably, where it's become yeah. more of a, oh, this isn't a crazy thing. Like, this might be some substance to it. Yeah. So, um, I suppose on the good points on it, if you have like any autoimmune diseases or anything, it's basically the most extreme elimination that you can possibly do because you could live off red meat and like probably eggs. Eggs are not mm-hmm. dependent. You could live off red meat forever, basically, and probably try fairly well in it. Um, I suppose if you have autoimmune deficiencies, then you can just see if any of the foods are causing it. And see, the problem with all of that stuff is like they're like, oh, this has helped thousands of people and like people with eczema and fucking, yeah. you know. Like, I suppose the problem with that is the long-term viability of the carnivore diet is is still lacking. Yeah, I think like with nearly all the diets on those lists, like a lot of the positives come from just eliminating a lot of shit yeah. like Joe you know, it's it's probably not yeah. that oh red meat is so dense in nutrition or it's like fucking whatever the nutrient profiles are <laughs> or uh however the energy is produced like Joe you know, it it's probably just from not having the shitty things that each of these diets has their positives yeah like just making any kind of incremental or any like large change all of a sudden is going to have some kind of like some kind of effect yeah um, there is um there's actually two doctors who are fairly prolific in the public space it's sean baker and paul saladino uh they're both um, medical doctors like yeah. legitimate like wait sean baker isn't like a PhD. medical doctor anymore isn't he oh no, he got it he got his license back i think so oh he really like a, he had a little oopsie not to be surgeon but then they <laughs> deemed it unfair because apparently he was just telling them they're like oh we can fix this with diet and exercise and then i think that like he was like, I don't know, they took his license away. Yeah. Then, but he got it back eventually anyway, but I don't, he doesn't practice anymore because he's making a load of money off the internet. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's so, so true though. So if you're, if you're looking around the carnivore diet and all that kind of like the keto sphere, uh, Sean Baker is a very good, like if, so right, if you're somebody who wants to get more information on it, it mightn't mm-hmm. be the most, uh, how will I say, it mightn't be the most unbiased information you'll get, but it will be good information and he has a lot of research done. He's been doing that diet for fucking years, years now. I remember when I started my internship in CrossFit Cork, which was like eight years ago, maybe? Seven, eight years ago? Uh, they, I remember Kev talking about Sean Baker then. So like, Go away, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like big into that. Because Kev was big into Rob Wolf in the, uh, what's that? What's the name of the one? Paleo. Was paleo we never yeah. put the paleo down. Uh, so Kev was big into that, but Sean Baker was kind of just breaking through into that scene. I think it was around then. Uh, and then obviously in the last few years, we've seen like he's he has a lot of masters rowing records. He has a lot of kind of performance records that he says are around being carnivore. Uh they're probably around being anti or tea as well, but uh, sure, look, we're not here to cast aspersions. Like, uh, I will say, like one of the one of the things I didn't like, or not that I didn't like, around. So people talk about getting bloods done all the time, and that's like if we're yeah. looking at like objectively measuring like the effectiveness of a diet. If you're 
in the kind of medical sphere. That's what people will look for. That's what people want. The nerds on fucking Reddit weightlifting or Reddit bodybuilding, whatever it is, that's what they'll want. They'll want to see blood values. Uh, and his blood values weren't great when they came back. Uh, they were indicative of somebody who was on TRT and then stopped taking TRT for their bloods and then whatever. So that's what it looked like for me, for an idiot looking in from the outside. Uh, there's no reason to say that's necessarily what happened. Um, I also don't think that one set of bloods is going to be the thing that will transform the entire human race into getting on a different diet protocol, you know, because you can yeah. manipulate those so hugely in the course of a week, not a mind to say three months. Um, there, there's two things I like about Sean Baker and Paul Sedadino is first of all, while they are like hyper, they are hyper carnivores and they promote it, they do frequently say, and more so of late I notice, they're like, if you eat on eat carbs or you want to eat vegetables and they make you feel good, just do it. Like, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is something I really do like because compared to the other diet, obviously just for obviously uh, neither me nor there I follow any of these diets. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not carnivores. Um, but I, I do like that they're like, look, for us, we found that for people who felt the carnivore diet works the best. Yeah. And then second, what was the other thing I was going to say? So they look, they really like that they like, I like that they don't push, like you don't, they're not like you have to do carnivore. There's no other way you can be healthy. Yeah. Uh, secondly, I think Sean Baker says, and what I really like about that is he's like, uh, nutritional studies are, most of them are basically worthless. Like, so, like, you have like studies, so anyone listening, I don't know how well first our listeners are in like scientific literature and that kind of stuff. But you have stuff like, so, but I'm sure you've heard of this stage is like food, even like epidemiological studies. And then you stuff in like nutrition, which be like mechanism and action. So they would be like, you would have really, really, really micro like analysis of like how glycolysis happens from yeah. like, or from like uh, glycogen from muscle cells or whatever. And then you'd have like, you'd zoom way out and you'd have like 10,000 people and you'd give them like a food frequency study. So uh, there would be a lot better statistics than I would. I think he's a better understanding, but he might have talked about it in a second. But very often, well, the problem is people make the mistakes. So you see the headlines. You see, you go on to the, I read the Guardian a lot, and you see, like, uh, meat gives you cancer. We've seen that loads, right? Yeah. Then we go, people don't go look at the studies, and people who do don't really understand the studies. Uh, like, that's no fault of their own. It's not an intelligence capacity. It's just another skill you have to, like, reading studies is a massive skill, and it's a very intricate skill. And unless you've read hundreds of papers, you may not still understand it. And, like, to be honest, you need a deep understanding of what's going on anyway. But a lot of times these are like food frequency studies. So they'll just ask people what they ate over the last few years or they'll like routinely check in with them. Uh, very, not very often do they go. So people usually assume that they'll take a hundred people and they'll feed them just this for a couple of years, which there's so many reasons that doesn't happen. Like funding is just really unfeasible. Ethics. Like it takes so much work. Analysis of that after it'll take years. Like it, it's just, it's like when people say, trying to do an injury or injury prevention study like it's just something that can't happen you know yeah like we, the problem what what they say like sean baker says a lot as well is like just focus on what makes you feel healthy and good now and then keep doing that yeah. as long as it makes you feel healthy and good so he's like if you eat the carnivore diet and you feel really good right now he's like 
that should all the matter to the individual because the rest of the stuff is just too aloof. It's too existential. Like it's too, it's too much. Like you just, it's too hard to pin down. Like none of the studies are very good. Like, you know, yeah. So it's like, if you do the carnivore diet now, or if you do the fucking fruitarian diet now, and it makes you feel better and healthier now, and you lose weight and you're in better shape and you feel better all day. He's like, that's the main priority. And, uh, I think, I think there's a huge amount of value to be drawn from that of like, being like we talk about auditing your training all the time you should probably yeah. be hypercritical of your nutrition all the time joe and like yeah. i think that is if if people were to say uh what what kind of what's the biggest mistake you commonly see like we always get the things for weightlifting like what's the most common issue you see for like beginner weightlifters if we got a question like that about nutrition i think the biggest mistake you'll commonly see is <laughs> Sorry there. We're doing this over Skype and the Skype call has just been taken over by Garf's half pug that just climbed onto the bed. Uh, I saw I think... a game. It was a game. Cool. <laughs> uh, so I think the biggest mistake we'd commonly see for the, especially in the fitness industry, is that people find a protocol or they find a diet or they more likely they find found a personality in the sphere and they stick to what they're doing. And then it might work for a certain length of time. And then they kind of just gradually teeter off that. And like, that's grand. But most of the time, what we see is people follow that like a religion. And they don't say, like, they might do... Okay, so they take keto and they do that for eight months. And they feel great. Uh, and all those positive things that come when we start a new diet protocol come. Uh, and then those improvements stop happening they probably have some bad habits coming back in but they still consider themselves to be keto and they still follow those frameworks and protocols or they might still follow them after two or three years when their training has completely changed and I think that's something we probably need to look at a small bit better is uh, being a bit more flexible with how we look at our nutrition how we choose what kind of nutritional protocols to follow uh, of like constantly auditing your nutrition, constantly auditing your calorie intake, uh, and being a bit more critical of ourselves. Uh, like they like the kind of problem with feeling good now is like if we take like the training analogy, you could be let's say I really like doing high rep back squats, right? You do. I could do ad nauseum. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. And training will always feel good because I like doing those, but. Ultimately, what I'm trying to get better, and let's say the statue clean jerk is your health and long-term effect or whatever, it may not necessarily result in that. Now, like, obviously, like all analogies, it breaks down somewhere, but it's just really important to be aware, to have an eye on all sorts, you know, the micro, yeah. the, the really macro as well. Like, um, So one thing about the carnivore diet, which I don't buy yet, and it's something they're saying a lot, or not saying, but they're kind of push, and they reckon, like, if you eat enough protein on the carnivore diet that you'll have enough uh glucose basically or glycogen in your muscle cells like to 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 do some really really like fucking like explosive work like for yeah. strength sport like that is a as a main priority of our listeners i don't think i'm not convinced of it and there's no like any no one's any like like so obviously you can do like the mechanistic or the mechanism action or whatever you know but like, you uh, are we playing charades? Um, but ultimately, like, I want to see fucking lash it be like. So I've been carnivore for the last four years. Yeah. And, uh, 
when I snatched two thirty. You know, like and like. I I don't that, like, I I think it's even more it's even more poorly suited to the CrossFitters because I think they need those like they need the big glycogen stores. You know, I think like a weightlifter funny. could get away with it because depending yeah. on their training protocols, like they might never really be depleting glycogen, Joe. <clears throat> it might always be like creatine phosphate or whatever they're using up or just ATP in the muscles and the glycogen doesn't ever get fully depleted. Whereas I think yeah. when you see like, you see people with high power outputs over a prolonged period, that's when you will really see the negative effect. Or you'll see basically where like gluconeogenesis can't keep up with the glycogen demand. So I suppose the argument then is that you're like, fat oxidation is like heavily upregulated then and you'd kick in then but funny you mentioned that Sean Baker has started doing CrossFit right and he wants to get to the games for over 55 so he's like 53 now yeah he wants to games in like two to three years uh that'll be very interesting if he that will be very interesting that'll be very interesting I suppose we started with the carnivore because of most of the diets on our list that would be my if someone put a gun to my head and he's like you have to follow this I would probably pick carnivore I think what's going to end up or what might end up happening with this podcast is that we'll do all the high fat and high protein ones this time and then we yeah. might have to go to the next because we're already at 25 minutes, Joe. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, the rest of them will just be us fucking talking skating. shit. Like, so uh, if we move on from if we move on from carnivore, right, uh, into yeah. something that's probably very similar is the keto. Or it's not very yeah. similar, but like uh, we're looking at high protein and high fat Uh and very little kind of or no no carbohydrate intake basically isn't the one with, like I think the thing with keto was the reason a lot of people who did keto kind of moved to carnivore was that they weren't getting enough protein or they weren't they weren't able to get enough protein yeah like which is kind of um, I suppose then resulted in them probably maybe if they were athletes they didn't have enough like glycogen their muscles or whatever maybe yeah so like it's probably important that like the keto diet was developed by a doctor, I think who's who, one of his kids had epilepsy, um, yeah, and that's like the keto diet research started coming around that, um, and it had very, very, very positive effects, or it appeared to have very, very positive effects for people who suffered with epilepsy or people who suffered with seizures, uh, because the level of like system systematic inflammation was so low that you weren't getting that kind of uh inflammation crossing the blood brain barrier, and then causing not causing seizures but um having having an environment where seizures would happen more easily uh and then Edward seal divers and navy seal divers who yeah. uh needed to well, they was it they were getting the bends or whatever it was kind of causing or like the excess nitrogen or whatever was causing seizures too i think wasn't it yeah it was something like that uh, so my understanding of it is very rudimentary but when you I had all these diets <laughs> <laughs> but when you had uh, higher levels of uh, blood glucose and then that like you were that was crossing the blood brain barrier and then you had higher levels of glucose in the brain uh, it was something to do with that um, and some sort of an inflammatory cytokines that seizures could happen more easily when those markers were higher uh, so I think it's just important to note that like the keto diet was never seen as a a kind of performance-based diet or an athletic yeah. diet, it was always seen as a kind of very, very specific diet for a specific group of people. Um, and, it, like, that goes down along a lot of these, like, a lot of these diets were originally, uh, 
originally kind of compiled or originally came up with for medical purposes and then they were kind of co-opted into the the fitness uh, sphere or into the performance sphere um i think as well for diabetics it's like currently it's very useful if you're are you pre-diabetic or you're currently diabetic so like the dogma before would have been maybe 10 years ago or more that like if you're diabetic there was no way you were ever not going to be diabetic if you're a type 2 with diabetic and it seems like it the general trend is like it's being kind of accepted that you can either like massively reduce your reliance on insulin or i suppose in some cases obviously we're not doctors so we can kind of say what we yeah. want is that they're no longer diabetic like so yeah it, it appears as though they're no longer diabetic or they don't display symptoms of diabetes yeah. like that's that's something I think we could see a big change coming in in the next uh, in the next 10 years is that you could see people <clears throat> who have been diagnosed as diabetic uh, and are now being di- diagnosed as no longer being diabetic. So to my, the best of my knowledge at the moment is once you have a diagnosis like that, they say you're diabetic for life. Um, yep. Whereas with like with some of these different protocols, uh, diet and exercise, to name one, uh, we are seeing obviously the medical community aren't yet going to be like, oh yeah, it's fixed, you're grand. Sure, that's grand. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, and diet and exercise Part isn't of- something that everybody can do. You know, if you're in yeah. your 70s and you can't really exercise or if you're in some way incapable of like huge amounts of physical movement, obviously the exercise is going to be reduced. Depending on people's surroundings, they mightn't have the ability to drastically alter their diet. Uh so it's not like a one-size-fits-all cure, but it is something that there seems to be positive results around. I think kind of the problem with the ketogenic diet, from my point of view, is that so you're obviously worried about the amount of the ketones in your blood stream at any one time or whatever. Yeah. Is your... Like, this is just from a practical application of the diet more than a actual problem with them, I suppose, the biochemistry of the diet. Yeah. Is that it's just all... It's like, that, like, it's just a bollocks trying to figure out, like... <laughs> When you also have to wait several months before you're like, if you're an athlete to be fully keto adapted, like yeah. say up to, up to six months even or more. So like worrying about what foods you can eat, like how many grams of carbohydrates you have, like what kind of like what kind of millimolar of ketones in your bloodstream. Yeah. Um, and like for what ultimately is the question. And if you're not in one of those kind of medicinal groups who need it or who could benefit from it, what is the point? Like you don't really hear, you often hear people say, I was formerly keto for years and it was great, but not anymore. And like yeah. that kind of says a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of those people move to carnivore now because it's just a whole lot easier for them to maintain the diet. Yeah, and I is, think um, like most people now who are who are kind of heavily in this the keto sphere are taking some form of an exogenous ketone, and that does seem to be like really shortening that ad- adaptation curve to be able to hit uh, ketosis, obviously, because they're able to like take something exogenous, take it into their bloodstream, and then they're in ketosis or they have higher levels of of ketones yeah. in their system. Uh, and that is like, it's uh, Doug D'Augustino, is it? Something D'Augustino? Dom. 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 Dom, uh, Dom yeah. Like, listen to some of his stuff. Like, that appears to be how that that kind of realm is going, you know, uh, that you have people, because, like, it's very, very hard not yeah. to have some form of carbohydrate coming into you. Like, yeah, very, very difficult. Uh, so, like, even people who are on very, very, very high-fat diets who are taking on, like, a lot of fucking, like, most of the studies you see with a high-fat 
diet group will have like two pints of heavy cream a day, Joe, and that still has carbohydrates yeah. in it. It's still has sugar in it. So it it allows people to study those kind of effects of ketosis or like the exogenous stuff. Taking a ketone supplement allows people to study the effects of ketosis without having to be so regimental with the diet. Uh, so I think actually to tie the two them together, like two negatives would be a lot of times carnivores and ketogenic people say when they do have some carbohydrates, they feel like absolute shit. Yeah. Like sort of become hypersensitive to any negatives they would have been experiencing, which I think is again, like from just if you're looking purely practical, like that is, that's a, that is, that's pretty, that's a very big downside. Like if you ever want to, to deviate from a diet, and not like of normally of any diet deviating for a little bit isn't a really huge issue. Yeah. But if you have like a strawberry <laughs> of a Saturday morning, like and you're a carnivore ketogenic and you like you just shit the bed and the rest of the day is gone, like that is that's a huge downfall in my opinion for most people because most people aren't like fanatics. Yeah. The people who push these diets would be. Yeah, and I think that's the other thing, like that's that will go across the board with this right that you'll most of the people you hear speaking about a diet whether it's stan efforting speaking about the vertical diet whether it's uh a vegan talking about the vegan diets whether it's uh somebody talking about the zone diet like the people you hear talking about it are so entrenched and so invested in this that they're often not going to mention the negatives of it you know like they're yeah. often or else or else they've just been in it so long that they don't really realize the negatives of it and they just foresee that as something that oh that just happens uh, or there might be huge challenges to taking on a diet at the start like if you go from having a normal balanced diet to doing something like carnivore you're going to have big issues at the start with lack of energy or you okay you may have big issues at the start with lack of energy it'll be the same if you go from being uh, normal balanced diet to being vegan like you're going to have issues with bringing in enough calories you're going to have issues with the actual volume of food you have to eat you could have issues with the amount of protein you need uh, all these things you probably have forgotten about how hard it was to do at the start you know it's like yeah. uh, it's like people forgetting how painful childbirth is apparently like you know yeah. You just it, it, it's not even an, an issue anymore because your your brain doesn't remember it. Uh, and I think if you look at diets across the board, when you hear people talking, like even fucking if it like, you know, if it fits your macros is probably the most popular fitness industry diet, you know, um, and that's it's not a diet. Yeah. It's just how many calories you're supposed to eat. Uh, and like yeah. people are like, oh, sure, tracking, tracking is grand, like, you know, sure, what? Yeah, it's grand like and like <laughs> the people if they're talking in a video or they're writing an article or whatever it is if they're talking about tracking being easy they've obviously tracked for long enough where they have a requisite amount of knowledge to writing an article or to write a video about it uh, yeah <laughs> like they've probably done this so many times it's like you being like oh what do you mean like what do you mean you can't back squat 270 like it's just back squatting yeah, yeah, like yeah. Just do it like yeah yeah and I think that is it's definitely something we miss out on is we don't tend to get uh, the novices' uh, views on a certain diet, you know. If we, yeah. get, if we get a novice or somebody who's new to a diet, we tend to get somebody who's like a blogger or vlogger or whatever it is and they try this diet for two or three months. I think those opinions are actually very valid because 
realistically, the reason people give up diet protocols aren't isn't because, oh well, uh, mechanistically it wasn't very valid for me, or uh, yeah. in terms of like sometimes you'll get performance stuff like Joe, but most of the time it's like fuck that the food tasted shit and it was really yeah. hard to do and i didn't want to track or uh geez i was hungry making all like, the time yeah yeah joe like or making two different di- making two different dinners for me and then it's my wife and kids like 100 percent. all that like those practical issues are the the reason people don't adhere to things uh and they're they're the things that the experts never ever speak about um like if you if, like that you brought up the if it fits your macros so like I suppose uh, the the big kind of uh, sphere of that now, or the kind of big kind of nexus of those, would be uh, RP strength and stuff. Yeah. Uh, like I do like a lot of stuff. Mike gives little posts, and, and I do like like RP strength help a shitload. Of, I think of the diet nutrition people at the moment in like performance sphere and kind of bodybuilding, they would be one of the most prolific, and pro- that obviously must be for good reason. Yeah, I think in terms of adding value, RP are definitely way 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 up there if you look at all the other nutrition companies yeah uh like if you're if you're somebody who's just trying to learn more at the moment follow mike follow all the other rp rp people read their articles uh buy their books like it's a company that obviously they're doing very well i hope they're doing very well like they fund people to go to college they fund studies to be done in college so they must have a requisite amount of cash flow yet they give away a huge amount of information for free. One problem, and it, this isn't just on them, this is anyone who like really promotes like fucking, what's your man, Lane Norton. Yeah. Like any of those people who push if it fits your macros is, they say like, you know, and, and I suppose it is in their favor that like if you're not overweight and you don't have a lot of like body fat or whatever, you're active, like you yeah. negate a lot of the, the, the long-term effects of uh, like, you know, you get a lot of the benefits. Yeah. But I think it's, it, it's the reason I kind of I did drift towards the virtual diet myself is because you just really can't discount the importance of the quality of food you're eating, the type of food you're eating. Like, yeah. So macros and calories are are just not all it is, right? So obviously calories in and calories out for weight loss, weight gain, if you're just looking at that, that is the most important. Like no one's denying that, right? No. Well, some people like, are, but we're not. <laughs> no. Like... <laughs> Like matching calories, you know, for quality of food, like you, it's it's undeniable, like intuitively. Yeah. Better quality, better foods. Their foods are not all the same, you know, like a calorie is not a calorie at the same time, you know, and I don't think it's it's hard to argue that like saying a calorie of uh, like obviously the Twinkie diet, you know, the McDonald's diet, the Subway diet, people who lost weight because they match calories. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like there is a reason there is micronutrients like required by your body to operate sufficiently. Like there is enzymatic reactions. Yeah. Like, there is fucking, they are important. Like, and they may be subtle and they may not be seen for years, you know? And obviously the people who a lot of times will end up doing, if you fit your macros, will end up probably eating better foods in general, because it's easier to fit in. Cause you can't get all, like you don't want to eat one meal of pizza instead of like two meals of chicken and rice. Or whatever, exactly. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel, I feel like it, they, and I suppose maybe from a practical experience, from their point of view, it's easier to just get people to do their macros than try quality foods. But yeah. I would say they do downplay the importance of, you know, like both of us would eat red meat every day, probably two to three times a day. I would eat at least three times a day. You'd eat it at least twice a day. Yeah. And I would eat a lot of it, like easy, you can go meat at red meat a day, I'd say, you know, yeah. like that might like, as opposed to the general 
the recommendation was like two five ounce servings a day or whatever. Yeah, well, like, they say like if it's red meat, something the size of your fist. I've done a day, a week, sorry. Like yeah, 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 sorry. But it's per day, like, it's something the size of your fist or your pan of red meat. Which is... We'd probably eat something the size of our head. <laughs> I'd say like yesterday, like for example, pre-training I had half a cup of uncooked rice or whatever that is for a fucking... Yeah. Uh, four eggs I had one and a half burgers and then I had uh, one strip line and like that's a very like that's a very typical meal yeah. uh, add in or out potatoes or the extra burger um, I think like like I would have the difference is like every training session is great really like I never feel bad and obviously that's through programming and how I, I set up my life and stuff too Like I feel great I never I feel, feel bad I feel great no uh, but like it's I could not imagine the same scenario and obviously I had a lot of crap in college but like yeah uh, I was younger you know like I think it's just really important not to discount the quality of food you know for like the what's where's your red meat as opposed to like a kilo of like pepperoni or whatever you yeah know? yeah yeah uh, I think the next thing we should talk about is intermittent fasting because it kind of falls in with carn- or like a lot of the carnivore the Venn diagram of people who do carnivore tends to overlap with the Venn diagram of people who do intermittent fasting quite a lot. Uh, it sure does. And then on the next kind of mini cast we'll do, we're going to cover uh, the zone diet, the paleo diet. We're going to cover some more of kind of the vertical diet and performance based stuff. Um, and then we'll see where we go from there. When are we going to rag on the vegans? next? next <laughs> Maybe at the end of the next one or the one after that. Uh, uh, so what we'll try and do is have one of these kind of out every few days and keep these yeah. trickling along. Yeah, I'm sure we'll come up with some other nonsense the next few yeah. days to talk about. So like uh, the to give a quick blast of the inter- intermittent fasting thing, uh, in my opinion, intermittent fasting works not because of anything to do with your liver no longer processing things or uh, your system shutting down or fucking fasting cascades of hormones or anything like that in my opinion all the positives or 99.9% of the positives that come from intermittent fasting uh, or that people feel better from intermittent fasting is because they're in a lower amount of calories per day yeah I think there's obviously there's the exceptions to that and we spoke earlier about it being kind of experts or really advanced people in the field tend to speak about these and obviously, if you've got somebody who's been intermittent for, for a long time or they've been intermittent fasting for performance, uh, then they've obviously got things really, really well refined uh, and they might have some extra advantages like they might have though, like lowering systematic inflammation. They might have all these other things happening that you'll hear them talking about all the time. I think for 99.9% of us, we feel better when we intermittent fast because we're in a cal- calorie uh, deficit. Uh, interestingly, it seems like some people, their issue with intermittent fasting was that they overate sometimes. So, f- or like, obviously, this is the minority of those people who did that. But yeah. um, I'd say it was the predominantly people who train. It's when they uh, when they did intermittent fasting, they felt like they had to eat a lot more in those meals. Yeah, yeah. Over consuming calories, like, or overeating a lot in one go, kind of binge eating. Yeah. Uh, I. I find I found it very valuable when I have done it. Uh, I find it 
super easy, especially if you're trying to get in like slightly better shape or you're just trying to clean up your diet because you end up not having like this kind of whole grazing thing happening. If you're going for an eight hour window or a nine hour window, uh, then you'll probably have some sort of meal structuring and meal planning because you're obviously going to think about it a bit more. You'll plan more rather than it just being you grab something in the morning, then grab something at 11, then have some sort of lunch. And you're not really thinking about lunch because you're not really that hungry because you've already eaten two or three times. I think for people or like those among us who don't really like to plan things or we're just not naturally good at planning out food or counting out the amount of meals we eat, intermittent fasting offers us something that the other ones don't. So it offers us a kind of inadvertent forcing of planning for your meals. Like uh, That's what I found anyway. Uh, what I usually would have done is like not eat until around 12 or 1, which doesn't uh, affect me at all, really. That's like how I'd operate most yeah, of the normal. time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, the only hard thing was if I was training later in the evening, stopping eating at 8 was actually quite difficult because most of the time I mightn't finish training until 9 or, like, half 9 or mightn't get home until a lot later. So it forces you, you to plan. No, not the last, like, two weeks. Uh, and there's no real reason for that, to be honest. Uh, I was just when I don't know. I'll probably go back to it in the next week or so. It did. It did make a difference to your body composition. To be fair, like it did. Um, it did what you wanted it to do. Exactly. Yeah. And like, it's, it's like the other elimination diets where like it just forces you not to eat certain things, or forces you not to eat a certain amount of things, uh, and it just basically has a positive effect. Have you ever played around with it? Uh, so I actually. There is a man called Sachin Panda. So he's a researcher in US. He's a legitimate researcher. Like he's not like a nutrition guy. He's just, he just likes doing research and shit. But um, he's saying like overnight fasting, like about a period of 12 hours is, is very effective. Like you get a lot of the benefits. Yeah. But it's overnight, like it's when important that you shouldn't be eating. Yes. So what I do is I just don't eat breakfast. So I get up at half five and then I don't eat breakfast at nine. Yeah. So that has borderline zero impact on my life. Uh, I do notice... And now this is very anecdotal that if I would eat breakfast in the morning, uh, that evening I'm definitely a little bit more sluggish as a half four or five, which is something I typically never experience. I don't feel any kind of down. Yeah. Um, I don't ever hit any crash after meals. Um, apparently your brain waves go down regardless in the afternoon anyway, but like in terms the of energy. 3 p.m. slump? Yeah, like apparently your brain waves just, just stop. Yeah. Or they like frequency like goes down or whatever. So, like, I don't eat breakfast, and I do feel, like, I think there is some benefits, like, they just say, like, it's kind of a, what would you call it, it's kind of a, a like, a reset, like, a time for your system to buffer again overnight after, yeah. like, because I eat during the day, like, that it's time to, uh, like, they, they, he goes a lot more in depth now, like, the, yeah. like the, the cellular and stuff, but um, it's just a time to give it a rest, you know, because you normally wouldn't have, like, your body, your, your body wouldn't be set up to be eating a lot overnight or very early in the morning. Yeah. And, uh. I think like the biggest the biggest positive I took from it aside from like body composition or whatever like that is uh, the mornings I was shooting so like I'm not sure if people do tasks in the morning that require a huge amount of concentration and very 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 low heart rates uh, but if you are somebody who shoots a lot early in the morning uh, intermittent fasting is definitely 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 good so I would typically be getting up 
like before 5 a.m driving for maybe an hour or two hours uh and then doing a lot of like a lot of walking that would be similar to hiking so it'd be like over rough ground possibly uphill uh and then having to get a heart rate very very low to do shooting tasks like rifle shooting i found if i ate so if i had like two or three rice cakes in the morning or like a bit of porridge and coffee before i left holy shit by like 9 a.m you're like crashing and by 10 a.m you're like fucking starving whereas if i just have black coffee leave the house uh i wouldn't have to eat i literally would not be hungry until around one o'clock uh i suppose the old um the paleolithic people among among us would argue that that is the very reason like you going out hunting in the morning because you would normally have had food your body would be used to when you went hunting you wouldn't have food or else you wouldn't have gone hunting like so you're yeah. not looking for food and that is like it kind of puts you in a state of uh like per concentration or whatever so some people say that when they're fasting like that they feel more alert or whatever or they're yeah. more like now like that's very fucking uh that's i definitely hard. i definitely uh like that's just something I stick by 100% now. Uh, yeah, I think just like on the thing of concentration levels and stuff, we always hear people talk about like, oh, well, your blood or your brain needs glucose and that's true. And like you find it easier to concentrate when you have uh, some amount of glucose. That's completely true. If you're studying, you probably do need to have some sort of carbohydrate kind of trickling in. All of those things are true, but it doesn't mean you have to do it all the time. So like yeah, if you're if you're studying, you don't need to have like a bag of jellies just so you can study, Joe. You know? If you have like a slice of toast once every hour and a half, that's probably enough. Um well like you're like obviously when you're shooting in the morning, you're not trying to learn a new skill of shooting, like no, you're just No, like, no, no, no. Um and I think want... like I think one thing so in the scientific sphere, fasted cardio was a big thing for a long time, you know, people like doing it. Uh, it seemed to suit people's schedules, which was probably the most important thing. Bodybuilders seemed to get a lot of bang for their buck from it. Uh, but it it then got a bad rap in the literature and it's been like thrown out. I think for people who train in the morning, if you have enough energy and like if it's just something like a cup of black coffee, a cup of tea, whatever it is, and you can get to the gym and get your training session done, it just suits schedules a lot. So like if you're doing a yeah. 6 a.m. class... Uh, it might mean an extra 20 minutes in bed in the morning, which is probably so much more fucking beneficial for your athletic development than you having a fucking shake with some porridge oats in it. You know, like yeah, there's yeah. obviously there's obvious exceptions to that rule. If you're like a developing teen or an adolescent, you probably do need to get food before you train uh, because like your blood sugar, like your whole system is just like, ah, fucking give me nutrients. Uh, but yeah. definitely for people who are over kind of 25 and you're training in the morning and you have like look if you're going to the gym and you're like fucking dizzy or whatever it is obviously get food or if your performance is way down in any of the workouts obviously have food but it is something like you can try especially if you're trying to hit a calorie deficit uh, it just removes an extra three or four hundred calories from the morning uh, and it allows you to bring them on later in the day uh, when you probably need them a small bit more. That kind of, you know, people, some people can't train immediately after a meal is, it's obviously, it's very individualistic. It's weird how that is like, because I yeah. don't seem to, I never have an issue with that. Like I could eat half an hour before training, like a proper meal, like any one of my normal meals. Yeah. Now, uh, you seem similar as well. It doesn't seem to very similar. Yeah. Like I couldn't, and that, 
it doesn't even seem to be task uh, specific for me. Like I know lads I used to play rugby with who no fucking way would they eat dinner before training. Whereas I'd be like scoffing down dinner at like five o'clock when I'd have training at six, you know, like just trying to get as much food in as possible. And I think like it's just another thing of you have to get used to it. Uh, especially for people who are doing kind of longer sessions, especially team sessions where there might be an hour and a half on a field or on a running track or whatever it is like that. You do need to be like properly fueled before your session and getting good at that skill in inverted commas of uh, like finding what kind of food suit you to eat before training, finding what amount of food suits you to eat before training. All those things are really important, uh, but people oftentimes don't don't give it enough thought that they probably should. Um, so one of the things with intermittent fasting is people are, you know, like, however long those intermittent bouts are, yeah, is kind of life extension benefits. But apparently, so a lot of those are done in rats, obviously. Like, so that's where most, uh, yeah, like basic data and all that kind of crack is, and like especially stuff like fasting and shit like that. Um. Basically, long story short, apparently it doesn't scale up to humans. So, like, it, there's like they've done it on some like worms, which normally live for like two or three days, or rats, which might live for who knows, or like yeah. a few months or whatever. But it, it like the smaller the animal is, or whatever, like you know, the percentage life extension, it's uh, it doesn't really scale up that way. Like for humans, yeah. like it doesn't seem like it would make that much of a difference, if any difference, in terms of like people looking for like living longer kind of nonsense, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, I think just the way you feel is so fucking important for every single diet protocol ever. So like if you, and this might just be like a fucking emotional thing of like if you're not vegan at the moment and you go to being vegan and you feel like you're doing things well for the world and eating like that makes you feel better or has a positive effect on your mental health then just fucking do it, you know? Yep. Like, and like, don't, we don't all need to buy into this one thing. Like we say it for training all the time that if you have something in your program that doesn't make a lot of sense, but you want to do it because that's what makes you feel good. You want to do it for the crack or whatever the fuck it is. Like, if eating a certain way does that for you, then just fucking do it. Like we do, yeah, that's... Don't try and bring other people into it. Just be like, oh, because I want to do it. Like that's the golden rule to get out of jail free card for us. If you ever say, I just want to do it because I want to or for crack, then he will 100% not question you. That is like, so like, if you do anything else in your training and it's not for the crack and you think there's a benefit, like you better be able to justify why you're doing that one. Yeah. But if you use the phrase, I just want to, then you can do whatever you want. Uh, a a little caveat to that is if you're a fucking yeah. coach, and you're giving somebody else their sessions. Oh, obviously, then, surely. That's <laughs> yeah, it's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I think that was a great, a great first episodes of our rambling of non-informational nutrition.
Thanks for listening, guys.